Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with uh, Andy Kelly's not in today, lazy. Uh, it's with, so it's me, Ian Doyle, with our full-time Liverpool reporter, James Pearce, and Neil Jones. And there's only one place to start, and that's the game at the Emirates. James, what did you make of that? Uh, it was a difficult game to make sense of, I think. Uh, sat there afterwards trying to write a piece. Um, you know, obviously the overwhelming emotion for Liverpool was, was elation that Getting the season off to a, a flying start, getting the three points, uh, and you know the thrilling manner in which they did it made it all the more satisfying. But you know you couldn't you couldn't sit there and and uh, you know and, and say that everything was rosy because it wasn't. It was you know it was an error strewn performance where for forty four and a half minutes or whatever it was, you know you you Liverpool just never got going. Um, really really slow start. Bizarrely slow start, really. When you think, you know, the, the, everything the Klopp had talked about in pre-season about not being passive and playing on the front foot. Yeah, they just gifted Arsenal the initiative, um, but then the, the Coutinho free kick just changed everything. You know, you could see that completely knocked the wind out of Arsenal's sails, energised Liverpool, and then blew Arsenal away in that opening 50 minutes of the second half. Um, at four-one, you know, it looked like it was going to be a rout, but you know, Arsenal came back, and in the end. Liverpool held on with a little bit to spare, so yeah, a great start. But also, I don't think anyone would be kidding themselves. There's a lot to work on as well. I mean, Neil, what did you think when you saw the team sheet drop? There were a few, maybe a few surprises there. Do you think? Um, maybe not. Not really. No, I, no, not particularly. I thought Chan. Do you think he played? Yeah, maybe. Maybe Chan was the one. Although I think he, he sort of almost talked himself out of the team, didn't he, by saying that he wasn't 100 percent and yeah. you know he didn't really. He hasn't looked 100% in the, the, the minimal game time he's had in pre-season. I think Henderson was probably the right player to pick in, in a big pitch, in a, a game that was likely to become stretched at some point where you need someone who can, A, get about the pitch, and B, get the ball forward quite quickly. Henderson's got quite a good first-time passer, and gets, you know, he, he, can, he can get the ball moving probably quicker than Chan can, who, who likes to take a few touches and, and you know, feel opponents and dribble and things like that. Um, perhaps Clavan was a bit surprised. Maybe I thought Matip might have might have been fit enough to start, but he obviously hasn't hasn't had enough game time to to prove that. And Clavan, to be fair, done, done relatively well. Uh, and then yeah, I expected Firmino to start up front. I think I think Liverpool's I actually think all of Liverpool's best performances under Klopp have come with Firmino as as the, the false nine, maybe excluding Dortmund. Um, even though he didn't, he's one of them, isn't he? For me, you know, he, he sort of he didn't have any impact in any of the goals. He didn't score any. He didn't set any up. But I think his movements and his his ability to knit with with the players around him, I think that makes him an important player. And I think I think we'll see a lot more of him away from home. I mean, James, there was a, obviously Neil mentioned Clavin. Then there were a few other debutants. I mean, I've been watching Liverpool for longer than I care to remember, and I can't really remember that many debuts or impacts quite as instant as that of Sadio Mane. Yeah, he was he was outstanding, wasn't he? I think Coutinho probably just about edged it in terms of the, the man of the match bubbly, but you, you could make a very strong case for Mane. He was he was probably Liverpool's best player in the first half where so many players around him were underperforming and then in the second half he was just he was just electric. Um you know, he, he is just the perfect fit for the way the club wants Liverpool to play with he's quick, he's intelligent, he's powerful, um, and he showcased all of that with the goal, the way that you know, he, he tormented the two defenders, but you know, bursting away from them as he did, and then 
an absolute emphatic finish. And um, yeah, it was a, it was a massive debut. It was interesting speaking to people at Southampton actually, speaking to some Southampton fans who were saying I mean, he's capable of days like that. But then at Southampton, he, he kind of went missing at other other points in the season. Um, but they also said that they think now he's at a bigger club. They think he'll almost you know he'll be you know he'll have that greater motivation to be up for it every week and. Certainly, if he performs at that level, then then he's going to be a massive hit because when Liverpool signed him, all the talk was what are Liverpool doing paying thirty million pound for Sadio Mane? But he looked every inch a thirty million pound footballer on Sunday. I mean, obviously Liverpool get the four goals at Arsenal. I mean, it was something like nineteen twenty eight or something daft like that. The last time they scored four, but there was one player who who wasn't playing, who's Liverpool's supposedly the leading striker, certainly the best goal scorer, and that's Daniel Sturridge. And very interesting, yeah. Yeah, I spoke to spoke to John Aldridge for his column on Monday, and he made the point that every year we have to worry about Daniel Sturridge, don't we? And you know what can Liverpool do if Daniel Sturridge isn't fit, and the difference he'll make, and he will make a difference if he's fit because he he's a great finisher. And you know, one thing that's clear about this Klopp Liverpool team is they're going to get into great positions five, six times a game, whoever they're playing against, because they've got the players who will do that. They've got the speed, they've got the the know how, but. I think the point Aldo was making is that this time I don't think it's it's the be all and end all for Liverpool. They'll they'll still score a goal. He made he made the point that you'd expect Mane to get double figures, you'd expect Coutinho to get double figures, Firmino and Origi and Sturridge if you if he played enough games. So if you've got five players and Lallana, you know, what getting eight perhaps Wayne Alden's got two and he can score goals from midfield. If you've got them type of goals, then you, it alleviates a bit of the burden on Sturridge. But I I would imagine it. He'd have been sitting wherever he was sitting. I don't know if he was at the Emirates on, on Sunday, was he? Didn't, didn't on the bench, him. was he? No. Um, he'd have been sitting there thinking, oh, all right, OK, I've got a bit of a job on my hands <laughs> because I, I thought Origi, when he came on, done particularly well as well. You know, for a, a mature performance when Liverpool were up, up against it a little bit, I thought he'd done well. And you'd expect him to start a fair few games as, as well. Danny Ings scoring for the 23s on Sunday as well. So he's got, he's got his work cut out because... If he's not on the pitch, he can't show just how great he is. And if other people are doing it in his absence, then you know that's that's the problem he's got. I mean, Christian Walsh, our colleague and another who's too lazy to actually come in today, he he wrote a piece for us uh, in the wake of the game, and he makes a good point actually. Where he does, he did. No, no, he, no. Honestly, he did right, and he makes a good point where it's almost that kind of frenzied way that Liverpool played in the start of the second half, which we have seen in the past, certainly in the last months of last season that's almost the best way that they can go around achieving stuff by the whole whirlwind effect of like trying to blow teams yeah. away like, like some, well exactly in a way where Suarez was there on storage yeah. it's all fast, it? yeah it's because they don't seem to be able to you know control the game they haven't got the players but then that's almost like not the kind of players that Klopp wants I mean I was at the Barcelona Liverpool game with you Neil yeah. and just about yeah just yeah just got there in time uh, and you could see then why they sold Joe Allen, because Joe Allen's a very tidy player, passes the ball well, keeps it on neat and tidy, but he doesn't have either the power or the pace that, that Klopp wants from his midfield, which yeah. is why someone like Wijnaldum, you might think, well, why have they bought him? Where's he going to play? And he's put him in that kind of what we'd normally call a defensive holding midfield position, but he wants players who's going to, who's going to run on. Yeah, and I, th- I think I reckon that, that front six that Liverpool had on Sunday, I couldn't remember a Liverpool team with a more athletic front six um, blessed with more pace and, and energy than that because there's, there's no one in that six with Henderson and Wijnaldum as the two and then the four further forward 
who slow the game down, really. And, and I think you're right, the, when, when you've got players like that, you, as Liverpool proved on Sunday, you only actually have to play well for 15, 20 minutes to win a game. Um, and, you know, and, that, and that's, that, that's what happened. It was, I think Klopp almost knows that as well in terms of... I thought it was interesting, like Neil said about Rigi doing well when he came on. And it was interesting that he brought Rigi on. And if you, if, if you saw Liverpool were committing players forward in that last 10, 15 minutes, it was almost like Klopp had thought, you know, we might have to win this 5-4 as yeah. opposed to... Like, I don't think he ever thought that Liverpool could probably see it out and just and, and just be solid and compact. Um, and as it was, Liverpool probably should have won five three. They had two or three chances in, in the last ten minutes. So, you know, and it does it does make you think if that is the way it's going to be every week, it's going to be an amazing well, nine months. Well, Liverpool's ahead. games since Klopp took over averaged more goals per game than any other. I think it was three point eight goals per game last season. So. And they weren't always on the right end of them either. You know, think, think Southampton. You know, do a two 0 up, and you'd, you'd say away from home, you're cruising. But I do think, I do think with the defence that they've got and the defensive problems that they've got and the lack of a sort of a, a, a powerhouse midfielder, I think they are going to be a team that's going to. It's going to be a bit Kevin Keegan-ish. You know, it's <laughs> going to be a little bit sort of for a few four threes, and you know. Fun to watch, fun to watch, but not when it, you know, not when it, it, um, you're on deadline. You've got a, you've got, <laughs> yes, a, you got a right to peace, or, or when you're uh, you're in the away end and your your heart rate's going through the roof. I mean, you you mentioned then about the defensive problems. Obviously, there are a few players who perhaps Jurgen Klopp would want in the team that that aren't available for whatever reason. I mean, do you think he's made the decision? Oh, well, we can't really sit back or defend. We have to kind of go for this because I can think of one game last season where he tried to play for a nil-nil, which was Villarreal away. Yeah. And they almost they almost yeah. did it, but yeah. you still know they still should have won that. You know, lost one 0 with a late goal, and the second leg just went. Oh well, let's just go back to the way we normally play, and just yeah. um, and just blew them away. Yeah, but he did, he did got a bit of stick, didn't he, after that game? Because I think most people thought that he almost Liverpool didn't show enough ambition that night. And then when you when you when you sit back like that, then you can get caught. You know, like a bit of sucker punch, which is what happened. Then you lose the game. So yeah, it does it does feel that way. You know, because obviously. Obviously, the two positions that people have gone on about in terms of Easter needs to strengthen, obviously left back and defensive midfield. But there's absolutely no talk whatsoever ever of him bringing a defensive midfield. I just don't think that's the way he wants Liverpool to play. I mean, you said about him obviously selling Joe Allen. You know, he hasn't he, he hasn't felt the need to bring in someone else. Lucas is still there, but you know, he'll I, always I, be there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's no there's no guarantees that he'll still be a Liverpool player on September the first. And again, you know, if if he does go, I don't think he gets replaced because you know, yeah. Klopp doesn't see the need for that. Well, you, you could argue the rights and wrongs of that, but that's just the way he's going to go. Now, there was one player who got mentioned a fair bit during, <laughs> certainly during the first half and after the game by a lot of people, and it does seem as though we are picking on him a little bit, which Neil will pick up on in a second. It's uh, Alberto Moreno. Now, you yeah. believe that while we're going to be very fair on him, we, you think that people are being a little bit unfair on him. Yeah, I, I I just think there's a real, a real modern way of boiling a team game down to individuals, both good and bad. And look, you know, I, I, this this is gonna paint me as a sort of Alberto Moreno sort of fan. I'm I'm, I'm not particularly. I don't I don't rate him. You know, I don't think he's a particularly great left back. And I think he made mistakes on on Sunday. And I think he's made mistakes in the past, but. It's never down to one player when a goal gets conceded. Yeah. It's never down to one player. Lallana lost the ball, didn't he? Lallana lost the ball. I don't know. I, I, I've sort of really good analytical sort of 
uh, tweet about it where it showed that you know Jordan Henderson and Dejan Lovren make the same move to, towards the same player when one of, you know a bit of communication one of them would stay and cut off the pass. You know I don't actually think Clavan does himself any uh, covers himself in glory with his attempt to block the shot when I think I I think. I could see from I was in McGull watching it. And I could see that the old Walcott was going across goal into the far corner, you know. But but there's this real tendency. And I thought, to be honest, far be it for me to have a go at, you know, Jamie Carragher, Graham Sooners, people like that. But I thought there was a real sort of a nasty edge to some of the criticism that he got on Sunday, and I think that's been replicated on on social media by Liverpool fans, you know, in some quarters. And I don't think that's helpful because. As James said, there's no inclination that Liverpool are going to change their their approach this season. They're not going to bring in, you know, Jonas Hector. They're not going to bring in, you know, the the, the reincarnation of of Roberto Carlos. You know, coming in. I think, you know, they're going to have Alberto Moreno for the season, and I don't think it does anyone any favours when he's he's being held up as the sole reason for Liverpool's defensive shortcomings. Because one, he's not, and two. He's, you know, he's only going to improve if he gets encouragement and, and sort of support. I mean, you can analyse these things too much, which is exactly what I'm about to do now. <laughs> within <laughs> a podcast. Yeah, yeah, within <laughs> a podcast, yeah. But I think you look at the replay and when Lallana gets the ball, Moreno's gone. He's gone. Yeah. And he has to have been told to do that yeah. by Klopp. So without going a bit too deep on this, to be able to do that, you have to have trust in your teammates that yeah, they're going to have the ball and they're not going to lose it. And... You could say, oh, well, perhaps he, you know, he should have shown a bit more sense or whatever. But do you think maybe the trust that the players have in each other is what's helping them improve? It's got, a, you know, a team spirit. They all believe that certain players can do these things. So, possibly teams like that go on the offensive because they know that oh. nine times out of ten that they're going to get I, I the ball. Someone made a really good point that I heard about Lilana. They said. It's the one time in his life that he didn't do a Cruyff turn. <laughs> if he doesn't a Cruyff turn, he'd have seen Moreno. He'd have pinged it on a diagonal, you know. So, but the other point is, if you're in the wrong defensive position, you're probably in the right attacking position. And if if Jurgen Klopp wants his team to attack, then he'd probably rather have Moreno, perhaps being in the right attacking position for a breakaway, than perhaps being in the wrong defensive position if it breaks down. So you sort of you are having the little. The, the trade off of if Lalana just slips past was it El Neni was it or Ramsey? Um, if he slips past them, then you could have a, a, a you know a big win. Obviously, if he gets tackled by him, you could have a big loss. Yeah, I mean it, it goes without saying, doesn't it? Moreno is obviously carrying out orders, and I don't think he's like deciding off his own back. <laughs> I'm just gonna bomb on, but. There is also no doubt that, not necessarily talking just about the goal, yeah. but in general, his lack of awareness is just unbelievable. The penalties are shocking. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, and he, we've seen him do it time and time again. Even you know the, the woeful defensive header early on, which I think went straight to Ramsey, and then you know he got the ball, but like you know, he, he's reckless in the penalty box, and there does seem to be a lack of common sense. And I think what frustrates people, and I think you're probably right, he has he he, he can become a bit of an easy scapegoat, but he hasn't improved, and like yeah. Uh, yeah. that's the thing. Like he was such a weak link in that Europa League final, and that was what angered and upset people most. The fact that you know the biggest game of the season, and and he is absolutely all over the shop in that game, and then first game of the new season, and it's like same old, same old. He hasn't improved. I don't. I don't think he helps. I think it's, just, you know, it's a stupid point, but I think it's true. I don't think he helps 
his persona doesn't help. No, you know, he's a he's a light-hearted yeah. joker. He's you know he's he's got a top knot and he's you know he he wears yeah. ridiculous yeah. clothes. He just seems, he <laughs> no, seems that, very eager. And I think, to, he seems yeah. very eager to please and both on the pitch yeah, and, and I think, off I the think, pitch. I think supporters will will always pick up on that when when it's it's not going well. You know, I remember how Hadji Juf used to get you know he was he'd turn up in you know mm. baseball caps with gold all over and diamonds and things like that. And, if you if you're scoring goals and you you you're winning trophies then great but if you're not then you, that sort of thing doesn't doesn't help you. I I that I actually think some of the criticism like the you know ex players have given them I think that's based on on that, yeah, that final last year is that they was they were as disappointed as everyone else by what happened and I think they find it hard to forgive. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's and I, I do think I am amazed the club hasn't signed the left back. I just when I mean, you think obviously he went after Chilwell. He wanted Chilwell, but wasn't he? Didn't think that he was worth ten million pound, which I think you could certainly argue that you can either way. But I think for an unproven player in the Premier League, that would have been a lot of money to play for, pay for a left back. And then you know, Klopp has, has, hasn't made a move for anyone else since. And I do, I do find that strange. You know, obviously, he, he sees Milner as a as a as a really suitable alternative. But I think Milner will probably start at Burnley this weekend. Um, and he's, you know, he, he's a consummate professional Milner. He's such an all-round player. He'll do a job there. But I do worry about because I think Milner could end up playing thirty-five games at left back this season. And, and whether, you know, it's, it's, I think in in, ho- in a lot of home games, I don't think that it would be a problem with him. Do you, but do you know what he, he did at Dortmund, didn't he? With um, with Grosskreutz, he became a fullback. He was a sort of attacking, a bit of Milner, Milner-ish, yeah. that's in his style. And he ended up being sort of. His backup left back and played there when when Schmelzer was injured a lot and you know he done, I think, I'm sure he's done all right but he's at Stuttgart now across but it, it, I agree with James it's it's, it's, it's just mad that you go in with your vice your sort of well paid vice captain midfielder and you go yeah he can play left back and that'll be fine. Do you think Klopp's being a little bit stubborn? Do you think he's probably just thinking? No, everyone's saying that I need a left back. No, I reckon that. Or do you think he's just he genuinely believes that he can transform Moreno think, into what yeah, he what yeah, he wants he, him to be? I think he be. thinks that he definitely thinks that he can develop Moreno into what he wants him to be. And I think people obviously focus a lot on his defensive deficiencies. But I think Klopp loves how good he is going forward, um, and he and he thinks that he can. He's young enough, and, and that he can he can change him basically. Now you can you could debate that all day, but. You know, I think I think that's the case. I don't I don't think it's so much stubbornness. I think it's also he. It was interesting that he. You know, let's not forget Chilwell would have been if he'd got Chilwell. I don't think Chilwell would have probably started the season because we obviously still saw Moreno was playing, and Chilwell would be someone he could again like someone young that he could develop. Um, you know, someone like Hector has obviously been linked with Liverpool all summer before he signed his new contract. But you know, Klopp felt that for twenty twenty five million pounds. He was way overpriced. Didn't didn't even entertain that deal. So, you know, it's I, I find it very strange. But there's no, you know, it, the bottom line is Klopp still believes in Moreno. Whether whether that I think I, I, I think Moreno's reached a point now where he has to have a, a spell out of the team because I just think he looks absolutely shot to bits in the head. And if he is going to come back and make it as a Liverpool player, I think he needs a spell away out of the spotlight. It would also help if he started tackling with the proper foot as well. Uh, we'll move on to uh, that's enough of Alberto Moreno Uh, we'll move on to one player who probably should be almost certainly will be when they give us the right money will be leaving Liverpool and that's uh, Christian Benteke yeah well we know obviously today a formal bid was received and then rejected 
30 million pound, 23 million up front, 7 million in add-ons. Um, rejected, I think, mainly just because of the 7 million add-ons were completely unrealistic, according to... <laughs> what did you say? What was it? What did you say? I think he had to win Wimbledon, the British Grand Prix, and, uh, and the next series of MasterChef. And Liverpool weren't convinced he could... I don't think they, they went to the Shoe yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. His Belgian waffles yeah, didn't quite match up. Um, so I, th- I think the deal will still happen. I mean, you know, everyone knows Palace are desperate for a striker. Liverpool are desperate to sell Benteke. Benteke wants to sign for Palace. So usually when all them three things are the case, a deal will happen. But Palace will definitely have to restructure that offer. I think £30 million will get him. But I reckon it'll probably end up being twenty-eight million up front, I mean, two million add-ons probably. Would that leave Liverpool in credit for the transfer dealings this summer? I'm not entirely Just sure. Yeah, I think it's, it's about more or less. Se- yeah, I think it's about think... seventy spent and maybe coming to forty-five coming back. So yeah, I think just about in in the black. Bearing in mind that Klopp's always said, I'm only going to buy players that I need, I'm not going to spend a lot of money on one particular player, which obviously wound Jose Mourinho up a little bit. <laughs> if, if we come to the end of the transfer window, and Liverpool haven't got in the left-back that everybody wants, and Klopp's got a bit of money left over, bearing in mind the amount of money that is washing around the Premier League these days, where you could get, I think it's £99 million for finishing last this, this season... What might that say to Liverpool fans? What's the message about yeah. FSG? I mean, or should we just the fans just put their trust in the manager? Yeah, well, yeah, that'll be that'll put be on a, the spot a little bit. Sorry, no, no. Um, I, I think there will be a lot of arguments made made yeah. at, at the, the idea that Liverpool would end, you know, the most cash-rich summer in English football history with with you know more than he started in the bank. But I think you've got to know. Exactly what, why that that is, and I, I don't think it's not really as if Liverpool are sort of, you know, people are knocking on the door saying, "Do you want this guy here? He's got you know hundred caps for, for France, and he you know he wants to play for you." It's not really like that. They 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 can't get the the hundred million pound players at the moment. I don't think not with the way it's structured, not with not with the position of the clubs in. You know, if they'd have come in for Paul Pogba, for example, I think they'd have just been. They just made themselves look a bit silly, and they'd have been, you know, Paul Pogba rejected Liverpool, you know, without even he probably didn't, wouldn't even text back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, but at the same time, I think if the manager, if the manager's got the players he wants and he's got the areas he likes covered, then that's good. But when there's, as James says, when there's when there's weaknesses in the squad, I think there'll be there'll be questions asked, and you know, especially can you can you imagine? Can you imagine if oh, two days after the transfer window closes, James Milner pulls his hamstring in training, or you know, uh, Coutinho? You know, we we, we don't, he, yeah, yeah, he yeah. went off a cramp at the weekend. You know, imagine he, it was a hamstring and he's out for a month, and all of a sudden your plans are, are sort of thrown in, and you've you've let you've let players go, and you've got money in the bank, but you haven't got the the, the depth of squad that you need. So, yeah. Listen, the people are going to moan whatever happens. You know, the Liverpool could sign 11 players on deadline day and people would start moaning you, about it. You, you, know, you suggested people moan. Do you know what they're saying? On social well, media. Yeah, I moan. I'd, I'd also suggest that the fickle nature of football as well. If, if Liverpool go and win at Burnley and then win at Tottenham, we'll probably draw at Tottenham and have seven or nine points out of nine come the end of the transfer window. I think those moans, if Liverpool do return a profit in this window, will be pretty muted because people will be saying, what are you moaning about? We've had a fantastic start to the season. Klopp's happy with the squad he's got. You know, you look at the 
the big deals Liverpool have done in their recent history, most of them have been disastrous and haven't come off. So what, why, why do you want Liverpool to go and spend £32 million on someone they don't really need? Uh, it doesn't fit the way they want to play. But, as Neil said, the, the problem with that is, I think if... if FSG will get stick, definitely, if Liverpool make a profit in a window when Premier League clubs have never, ever been richer. But how much of that criticism sticks and increases over the coming months will just be dictated purely by results. Because I asked Klopp about it on the tour in America and about the backing from the owners and not being able to compete with the top clubs. And you know, he was absolutely adamant. He said, I've had 100% support, not for one second. If I've not been able to do what I wanted, he said... Every player that's come in is who I wanted. Every player who's gone out, I didn't want us to keep. Um, he talked about wanting to do things a different way. I wouldn't sign a £100 million player even if I could. So I think it's difficult on the one hand to, to slaughter FSG for not putting the money in when you've got the manager basically saying they've done everything I, I asked. So, um, But there's no doubt, as we said, like if, if then you suffer a couple of injuries further down the line when undoubtedly the money is there, to add another extra couple of players, questions will definitely be asked. One final thing then, I think uh, we should mention Simon Mignolet, whose penalty save now means that he has saved more penalties than any other Liverpool goalkeeper in the Premier League and through some mental percentage thing, which I can't be bothered to explain, means that he's quite good at saving penalties overall in the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> Dimitri Curry, anyone anyway, He was, yeah. He of the tracky bottoms. Him of the tracky bottoms. I mean, obviously... What was it about six weeks ago? Everyone thought that Mignolet wasn't going to play. Yeah, and yeah. Carrius got his injury, and now he's come in and yeah, he did okay. Did actually, okay. the weekend as well, Mignolet come decent punches, couple of decent punches. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else, Tony? Was um, what did you notice about the five penalties he saved? Yes, for the five penalties that he saved for Liverpool, uh, they dived the same way on each one. So to he's dived, right. he's dived to his right for every single one, yeah. which would suggest that hopefully no opposition players are. Yeah. Reading, uh, reading. <laughs> do well to read this, uh, to listen to this, yeah. and uh, paying two, attention. Two and put the rebound in, I think. Did yeah, I think they did, I but think then, you know, that, that, that's the lottery penalties. Yeah, no, uh, Mignolet, you know, he's another one, isn't he, really? He was sort of last year's Alberto Moreno, you know, at, at the times, wasn't he? But, yeah, you know, he's there, he's got to play for the, what, the next few weeks at least, and I think by the time Carriers is back, I think Mignolet will probably, he'll probably have a job to shift Mignolet, and then it'll be a sort of case of, if you deliver, you stay in the team. That, that's the way it should be. It should, yeah. you know. I, I can't see a situation where Carrius comes back from his hand injury and Klopp says right straight into the team. You know, what does that say to, to the goalkeeper? And I think it'll be, it'll be a meritocracy as it should be. Yeah, I, I thought, I thought it was a solid start for him, which seems strange when he's just conceded three goals at the at the Emirates. But you know, I don't, I don't think you know he saved the penalty. No chance with the first one. I don't think. Yeah. Second one's a big deflection. Uh, third one's poor marking from a set piece. In general, I thought he commanded the box really well, um, and and yeah, you know, he's, it's crucial that he regains some confidence and starts the season well. And I, you know, I thought that was that was as good a start as he could have hoped for. And of course, he's going back to Burnley, which on his last visit, we all, we all know what happened there. He'll be kicking, yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll be kicking the ball a bit quicker. Yes, yeah, so he'll be making yeah, sure he knows so. where the pitch ends. Well, basically. He, he, I'm sure his wife will have a meal booked yes. the evening afterwards. <laughs> right, and I, I think that'll do us for, for this edition of the podcast, and we will see you soon. Thank you.